1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Seawald ready with the one-two pitch to Christian Walker. Seawall to the plate. Pitch. Swung out and missed. Struck him out. And the Mariners win this game 5-2. Three games. Beyond 500. Nice to be back in that air again. Blitz. Fields throws to Herbert. Has blocking. Has a touchdown. That is a blitz beater. Second and 18, Fields in some trouble trying to get it to come out, and it's intercepted. Okuda with the pick, and little one picks big one and takes it for a touchdown. The former Buckeye teammates, Okuda and Fields, and the two number ones at Ohio State, it's Okuda who takes it from Fields and takes it for six. Marte toward Triples Alley. Matos in pursuit. He won't get there, and it bounces over the wall. Perdomo will score. Marte has to settle for the double. And for the second consecutive extra inning, the first Diamondback hitter gets the go-ahead run home. Boy, he clobbered that one. One and two on Patrick Bailey. Roll to second. Marte's there. Diamondbacks win it. Scott McGuff gets three big outs in the 11th inning. And they take the first of four in San Francisco. They beat the Giants 4-3. to three. All right. Second and goal. Fires. Incomplete for Bauman. Incomplete. The official right there. And it's third and goal. Going on the field is an incomplete pass. Yeah, Robert, you're exactly right. I don't see the ball touching the ground either. It is resting on both their hands. He secures it before it ever touches. I think this is going to be a touchdown. One chance for Caleb Williams. They're going to try a bunch of laterals here. Not advancing the ball a whole lot. And that might be it. It's over. 1-1. And that's poked inside the first base back. Up the right field line for a base hit. Around first, both thinks about second. And then he powers down, and he's hurt. Oh, no. He is hurt in between first and second. Oh, no. It appears to be catastrophic for Bo Bichette. Absolutely frozen in time. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. And welcome to the Tuesday, August 1st edition, the Major League Baseball Trade Deadline Day edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and Cast Lux HD 2 100.7, the Diamondbacks, does the addition of Paul Seawall mean playoffs? The 2023 Chicago Bears over under seven and a half wins. Back to the Diamondbacks, did we learn anything last night? The Pac-12, is the conference about to become a non-factor in football and basketball? The Jays, should they be taken seriously? And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. 
in moments of the introduction of today's pipeline. 9.15, our NFL team previews continue with the Chicago Bears. Patrick Finley of the Chicago Sun-Times scheduled to join us. 9.30, interactive action at 6.02, 260-1060, and also the local roundup. That'll include Aaron Decker's Cardinals training camp report and also some Diamondbacks trade analysis from yesterday. And in the final segment of the Sports Zone, it will be the uh, National Roundup. That'll be topped by from the scoreboard and as uh, many MLB trade rumors as I can fit into one segment. On to the pipeline we go. Time for today's pipeline where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Today's question is, did the Diamondbacks addition of relief pitcher Paul Seawall push them into the postseason? And uh, Corey's here and has the early returns. Leading right now is no, is 75% of the vote there. Yes, it's 25% on KDUS1060.com. The Diamondbacks sent outfielder Dominic Canzone, bad idea, and recently recalled infielder Josh Rojas, no big deal, and minor league uh, infielder uh, Ryan Bliss, no opinion, even though he didn't done that much before this year. Anyway, they sent all that to the Mariners for Paul Seawald and his 293-yard run average. The Diamondbacks uh, entered Monday uh, with the eighth-worst bullpen or run average in baseball, which tells me at least how many bad bullpens there are in Major League Baseball this season. Meanwhile, today's Twitter poll question, the 2023 Chicago Bears over or under 7.5 wins. And, uh, Corey, what's going on here? Leading right here is under 7.5 wins at 62.5% of the vote, over 7.5 at 37.5% of the vote on KDUSAM1060 on Twitter. The 2022 Bears were 3-14, and 14, including 10 consecutive losses to end the season. That's a year in which first-year Bears general manager Ryan Poles basically uh, gutted much of the previous uh, inherited roster that he had. Let's put it that way. They, they tanked the season, and, and it seemed maybe, sort of, kind of worked. Meanwhile, also on the local front, or back to the local front, and back to the Diamondbacks last night in San Francisco, it was another game with little offense for both teams. Some shaky bullpen uh, segments from the Diamondbacks, but resulted in an 11-inning victory at San Francisco. Should we take anything out of Monday's Diamondbacks win at San Francisco? The Pac-12 is scrambling. Commissioner George Kulavkov reportedly will present a media rights deal to league uh, members within 48 hours. This is as of yesterday, so you can all do the math on that which likely will not be top dollar, uh, with at least UCLA, USC, and Colorado leaving. In recent reports of at least the U of A, Oregon, and Washington may be investigating their futures. How close is the Pac-12 becoming a non-factor in football and basketball after the 2023-24 school year? Meanwhile, Spain, the Globe, the Jays lost another game to, uh, to a division rival. Bo Bichette, no more importantly, left with a knee injury, as you heard the highlight there, or low light at the top. Toronto is now 7-21 against American League East foes following another loss to the Orioles last night. you got to all help me out here. Why should I take the Jays seriously? I haven't all year long. Most others have. I don't get it. So help me out there. 
Also, in addition to all these outstanding questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? That's the pipeline for today. We get to all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else in your mind falls into the general discussion categories, whether it's from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey, we'll have a news update. That will be followed by the first of four NFC North uh, previews this week. Uh, for, we're going to preview them all this week. Uh, it's the NFC North this week, and uh, we're going to start that with the Chicago Bears in the next segment. Patrick Finley of the Chicago Sun-Times scheduled to join us. Once again, at the bottom of the hour, phone call time, general discussion at 602-260-1060, plus the local roundup. That will include Aaron Decker's Cardinals training camp report. Plus, we'll have some uh, Diamondbacks and Giants Monday night analysis and analysis about the uh, the Diamondbacks acquiring Paul Seawald. Does that push Arizona into the playoffs, as we asked in the pipeline there earlier in this segment? You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. KDUS AM 1060 is the home to the Dan Patrick Show, the Doug Gottlieb Show, and Sports Map Radio. Catch all the sports content here on AM 1060. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and the KSLX HD 2 100.7. You're home to the Dan Patrick Show, live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. The Bears entered the 2023 season on a 10-game losing streak uh, from the end of last season. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined in the Sports Zone by Patrick Finley of the Chicago Sun-Times. And, Patrick, good to have you. And the Bears last year with new general manager Ryan Poles gutted the roster and pretty much started from scratch. How would you describe the Bears' approach heading into this season? Uh, they got to figure out what they have in Justin Fields. Justin Fields uh, was exciting last year, but was also one of the worst passers among all 32 starters in the league. Uh, this is the year that they surround him with better players and see what he can do, because at the end of the season uh, will be the first time that he could either get a contract extension or the Bears could go in another direction. You know, that trade when they gave up the number one overall pick to the Panthers, they got the Panthers' first-round pick uh, this upcoming season. So, Fields isn't what they want him to be. They will have two firsts going into a quarterback draft that is uh, one of the best in recent years. So, what are realistic expectations for Fields this season, and what do you think he needs to do for the Bears to be interested in giving him that contract extension? I think he's such a remarkable athlete and such a dynamic runner that if he could be a league average passer, that would be uh, that would be enough. Uh, you know, they brought in DJ Moore as part of that Panthers trade. He's their number one receiver, and you know, you see him in camp and Pivot uh, have been playing together for years. That's a really good thing. Darnell Mooney, who finished the season uh, on the injured list, is back. Uh, he slots in as a really nice number two receiver, and then they have Chase Claypool, who was a massive disappointment in his eight games or so with the Bears. But you know, if, if they can figure him out. Those are three pretty good receivers now that you've surrounded 
uh, Justin Fields with. You know, you combine that with a run game that last year was the best in the NFL, and you might have some. Uh, let's go back to Fields here for a second. I'm actually, you know, I'm an Ohio State fan. Uh, he had some injuries in college. He took some shots last year. Yep. How can he protect himself better? Because you know, he takes some hellacious hits. First of all, he's boy is he tough. He is uh, uh, he takes hits and he gets up for the most part, and that was really yeah. impressive. Uh, the Bears surrounding him with a better offensive line is a good start. Uh, you know, their first round draft pick Darnell Wright, the tackle from Tennessee. Uh, you know, slots in as a starter right away. They spent money on a on a guard from the Titans and then shuffled into a couple other positions. So they hope that's better. The other thing, though, is he's got to throw the ball away. <laughs> you know, and if I had yeah. Justin Fields, uh, if I had Justin Fields' legs or his moves, maybe I wouldn't throw the ball away either because uh, you, know, you know, one minute it's a disaster and the next minute it's a fifty-yard run. But uh, but he needs to know what he's said to right. He needs to get rid of it and not take that hit. Uh, last year, uh, I think he was sacked. His sack percentage last year on dropbacks, I think only two other quarterbacks had been sacked more often uh, kind of in the history of the modern NFL since the merger or something mm. like that. So it, it's a problem, and uh, and it's universal. It's, it's him, it's the offensive line. And it's quite frankly the Bears losing so many games that they're throwing a lot you know, in the fourth quarter and in desperate situations. If they can play kind of more normal football, I think that'll go, go down to the Okay, so let's get into this offensive line and the running game a little bit. The offensive line should be improved, but they got lots of players changing places, and they do have some running back options. So, how might all that shake out? Do you think? Yeah, they uh, they had David Montgomery, who I thought was a pretty good running back, and uh, they yeah. offered him roughly roughly what the Lions offered him, and Montgomery decided he'd rather go to Detroit. Uh, he said afterwards that he was tired of losing, and it might have been the first time anybody's ever gone to the Lions because they're tired of losing. Um, they replaced him with. <laughs> They replaced him with Dante Foreman, who was who was in Carolina last year on a one-year deal. They got Khalil Herbert, who last year, believe it or not, was uh, or had the um, the highest yards per carry of any running back in the NFL last season. Uh, and uh, and they drafted a guy named Roshan Johnson. Roshan Johnson, to me, is super interesting. He, he came from Texas, yeah. where he was the backup for B. John Robinson, and uh, it, it did pretty well in his limited uh, touches there, but. If the name of the game in the NFL right now is to uh, is is to uh, not have tread on your tires as a running back, this is the guy who doesn't have the same amount of tread as a lot of college players. So those three will uh, have some sort of three-headed monster situation going on. Uh, I imagine Foreman will get the first carry of the season probably, but long term, I, I think Johnson has a chance to be really really interesting for them. I'm glad you brought him up. I'm uh, very curious. You know. You know Obviously, we watch Bijan Robinson. You used to work in Tucson, so you know him yep. too. So we watched plen- tons of Texas football last year, and Johnson just got my attention. You know, I knew I was getting out of Bijan, but Johnson, I, you know, this is you know, a quasi fantasy question. I'm in a deep fantasy league. How interested should I be in drafting him? <laughs> I, I've been telling people since the draft that if you're at, uh, because people do ask me uh, uh, the real fantasy questions. In, uh, just kind of in real life, whether it's picking my kid up from school or, or, or whatever. And Roshan Johnson's the first name I mentioned. And it's just, you know, you don't need me to tell you that D.J. Moore's a pretty good football player. You don't need me to tell you that Justin Fields is probably going to get drafted pretty high just because of his running ability. But uh, if you're looking for something in round 10, uh, Roshan Johnson, I think, is a really good idea. Okay, so you mentioned more. How much is expected out of him? What do you think he might end up doing? Uh, just how much has he improved this offense? 
This is how bad uh, the Bears' passing game has been hit for. DJ Moore through his first five seasons, had he played those in Chicago, he would be all he would be the all-time career receiving leader for the Bears in terms of yards. <laughs> wow, isn't that insane? Um, yeah. So yeah. Uh, you know, the, it, the Bears have never, as long as I'm on to, on the topic, the Bears have never had a four thousand yard passer ever. I think every other team in the league has had more than one. So uh, it's been a long, it's been a long 103 years here in Chicago. But uh, I think DJ Moore, you know, you're obviously shooting for more than a thousand yards out of him. But what you really want from him is to be Justin Fields' security blanket. You know, when they're when they're in a, you know, and they got to have it situation on third and six, uh, it's going to be DJ Moore. And I think that's really good. You look at the receivers that have been on the Bears the last couple of years. Uh, Justin has never had anybody like. And, you know, from a you know, combination of reliability, size, and skill, uh, I, I think that's, that's all, all you wanted this offseason was to end up with a receiver like him, and the Bears found a way to do it. Uh, Darnell Mooney, he's had really good connections with, but I think DJ Moore is going to get uh, the preponderance of the targets. Uh, and, you know, and the Bears, you know, for once have receivers at the other two spots there that I don't think you can go doubling DJ Moore every game either. Patrick Finley, Chicago Sun-Times, currently in the sports zone. We're previewing the Bears here. The defense was awful last season, among other things. They allowed the most points in the league, and they were historically bad for the Bears since World War II. That's a long time. Uh, not even I was around in World War II. Uh, head coach Matt Eberflus has a defensive background. How much should this 2023 defense uh, improve? <laughs> There's nowhere to go but up, right? Uh that's correct. This is a city that really cares about defense. This is a city that yes. cares about linebackers. And, and you, know, you know, last year, here's what the Bears did. You know, in the middle of the season, the Bears traded Ro- Roquan Smith, who was their best linebacker since Brian Urlacher, uh, to the Ravens. And then they traded Robert Quinn. And all Quinn had done the previous season was set their single-season franchise record with 17-and-a-half sacks. So those two guys got traded midseason, and it only went downhill from there. Uh, the Bears didn't win another game, and the defense just shriveled up. They have added Tremaine Edmonds, the old Bills linebacker, who is about the tallest middle linebacker any of us have ever seen. Uh, they gave him a lot of money to come be in the middle. Uh, T.J. Edwards was on that Eagles NFC Championship game field play the week side. Uh, and so, you know, they're set there. They've got a pretty good young uh, defensive backfield. But, man, they cannot rush the passer. They were last in the league in sacks uh, last season. I-, I looked this up yesterday. I think on downs in which they did not do it, Last year, I think the Bears uh, sacked the quarterback 2% of the time, uh, which is not oh. good. It's the worst, worst in the league. And, and they haven't brought in a whole lot of guys to actually fix that on the edge rusher side. In fact, I would not be surprised if uh, they find one of those free agents that are still out there at some point in the next couple of weeks. You know, right now, they have Marcus Walker, who had seven sacks with the Titans last year at one edge spot. And, you know, the other edge spot is some combination of Travis Gibson and Dominic Robinson. Those two guys last year, after week two, combined for one sack uh, over something like 1,100 snaps between the two of them. So um, it's a major problem, and uh, the Bears, I don't think, are going to be able to fix it uh, this season, but it's got it's to be better than it was last year. I'm not good at math, but one snap over one sack over 1,100 snaps—that's not a good ratio. I'm pretty sure less about that. Less than I do. Yes, less than I do. Yeah, yeah. Good point. Okay, uh, you mentioned adding Edmonds and also Edwards. How much can they turn things around on this defense? Yeah, you know, part of the reason that they traded Roquan Smith was that Matt Eberflus said that he didn't have the kind of ball production that he had uh, that he would like. 
Now, Roquan goes to the Ravens, and the Ravens give him $100 million <laughs> as an extension. And we can sit here and have a long conversation over uh, who would you trust more in identifying the star. You know, the Ravens defense, which has been good for 20 years, or the Bears. Um, so they signed, they signed Edmonds. I think Edmonds is a really good player, but Edmonds has less ball production than Roquan. So it's a really, it's really circuitous logic there. But, you know, their hope is kind of in the modern football uh, it, you know, the, the way everybody's playing now is having somebody with the height and length in the middle of the field that's going to close down those passing lanes in a way uh, that uh, that would make the Bears unique. Uh, you know, and we'll see whether that works. We'll see whether that happens. I, I really do think they're going to be only as good as their defensive line. And one thing they did do is they drafted defensive tackles in the second and the third round in an attempt to try to kind of dent the pocket from the middle as opposed to the outside. Uh, that'll help. That'll help Edmonds, but I, I don't think they're going to turn uh, him into a takeaway machine right away. Which is interesting because you mentioned, you know, Matt Eberflus and his defensive background. Uh, he was the Colts' defensive coordinator for four years before coming to Chicago, and that's what he was able to do. He was able to turn, yeah. you, know, uh, you know, a bunch of players, uh, you know, Darius Leonard, Jack Leonard, into uh, into takeaway machines, and uh, that didn't happen last year with the Bears, but. He was given a pretty lousy roster. Okay, there's some talent in the secondary, certainly, including safeties, Eddie Jackson, Joquan Brisker. How good's the secondary? How good can that be if they get some kind of pass rush? I love Brisker. Brisker was a second-round pick out of Penn State last year and a really good hard-nosed player, brings brings the physicality. He actually led them in sacks last year, which, by the way, is damning with St. Craig's. Uh, but, uh, you know, he's good. Eddie Jackson had a really resurgent season. You know, I don't know what you remember, but a couple of years ago, I mean, this is a Pro Bowl guy. This is somebody who yeah. uh, was one of the most dynamic DBs in football. And uh, uh, he wasn't very good two years ago. Last year he was, and then he had a list Frank injury. In November, he's recovered from that. So those two safeties are as interesting of a safety pairing as you're going to find in the league. Then you've got Jalen Johnson at one corner. You know, he might get a contract extension here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, and then uh, Tyreek Stevenson uh, is a second-round pick that they drafted out of Miami this year who has the inside edge to start at that other corner spot. And then you've got Kyler Gordon from Washington uh, in the slot. So, you know, all those guys I mentioned except for Eddie Jackson, they're all under 25. And if they can stick, uh, you know, they have a chance to be together uh, for the next three or four years and grow together and, and probably be pretty good. But, you know, they always say that, uh, what is it, pass rush and coverage work hand-in-hand hand. If you don't have one, it's going to be really hard to have the other. That would be 100% correct. Talking Bears with uh, Patrick Finley, the Chicago Sun-Times. Okay, I lived in Chicago and covered the Bears for nine years. I'm curious, how's this loyal fan base reacting to all this the last couple of years? <laughs> um, Justin Fields is as exciting of an offensive player as maybe they've ever had. <laughs> and uh, that's been really, you know, last year, you know, I watched a really bad team play football. Uh, 17 times last year, but you never knew what you were going to see from the field, and that was just a really special feeling. That doesn't mean he's the quarterback of the future, though, and, and that's something that the Bears have got to figure out this year. You have a fan base coming out to practice, and you're living and dying with everything. Oh, you know, how did he look today? How did he look on that drive? How did he look in two minutes? Um, and that's, that's kind of a dangerous place to live on August 1st, <laughs> but uh, safe to say that the Bears uh, can't wait to see him when things matter. You know, Mitch Trubisky was here. He was the number two overall pick. You know, two two years into his career, we thought Trubisky was the guy. He had went, went to a global 
uh, he, was, he was improving, and then he kind of hit a wall. That's exactly where Fields is in his career right now, and he can't hit that wall. He's got to make the next the next step there. And like I said, if he can just be a league average passer, along with what one of the best five runners of the football in the NFL, like like that's a that's a wonderful wonderful place to start uh, for an off- for a franchise that offensively has just never been much any. All right, so what's your take on the NFC North without Aaron Rodgers? And I'm sure that uh, that part there pleases Bears fans, that he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it'll be interesting to see this rivalry uh, when the other team doesn't have a, have a Hall of Fame quarterback under center for the first time in 30 years. Uh, right. I, I think it's wide open. Uh, you know, on paper, you look at Detroit and you go, got to be Detroit, right? But, you know, I have – I've lived – you know, I'm 43 years old. I've, I, I've lived a life in which it's never Detroit. So it's really hard for me to make that leap that this is the year for them. I think Minnesota is probably where I'd go uh, right now to start with. It, it feels like, you know, they need to get younger uh, fast and maybe that's starting next year. But, you know, Kirk Cousins is okay, and, and Jefferson's amazing. And, you know, they've got enough veterans on that defense that I think I'd, I think I'd pick Minnesota if I had to. In terms of the Packers, I don't think Jordan Love's any good. But that's not based on anything. The guy hasn't played enough for any of us to make any sort of grand declaration. But, you know, if you never want to be the guy following the guy, right, that's the thing, uh, Jordan Love is in the worst position in the, in the history of football. And that he's got to be the guy following you know, Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, it, it feels like it's going to be a disappointment, uh, almost oh. certainly. Okay, so bottom line here, they, they you know, you know the over under you know, basically is seven and a half wins. That that's a big jump from last season. So over or under seven and a half wins. Yeah, I, I had them at eight and nine, and you know, winning five more games than you did the previous year. That's a good year. Like that's, it, you know, that's, it is that's obviously not that's not what anybody's shooting for here, but that's a good year. And you know, if they could go eight and nine, if they can play meaningful games after Thanksgiving, and if they can figure out what they have in fields, and I'm not saying. You know, that field has to be the man, but you got to know either yes or no. If you've got that at the end of the season, uh, and then you've got, you know, two number one draft picks to play with, and right now they have the most salary cap money in the league, uh, you know, that's that's an okay jumping off point. You know, I don't think playoffs are realistic here, but boy, you can set yourself up uh, to try and make them next season. And if Fields is the man, boy, that makes everything a lot easier. Patrick, good stuff. Appreciate it. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd like to say I'm, I'm certain we'll check back during the season. I'm not sure if we'll do that. Depends on how well they do. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, hopefully we're, we're we check for back. Relevant. Yeah, we're rooting right. for yeah. relevant football around here. And, and, and it, if so, I look forward to talking. <laughs> yeah, for 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 your case, I hope we do check back with you because you know th- there's nothing worse than watching 17 weeks of bad football, which you're ten, certainly ten aware straight, of last year. Yeah, 10 straight losses. Not a, no, oh, yeah, not a that's always fun. That's always <laughs> a blast. Okay, thanks, Patrick. Appreciate it. Hey, anytime. Patrick Finley, the Chicago Sun-Times. We'll continue our NFC North previews this week. Tomorrow it is the Packers at 10-15. In this segment on Thursday, it's the Lions. In this segment on Friday, it's the Minnesota Vikings. Real quick, some schedule analysis here. Not a lot, quite frankly. I will, they do play four out of five games on the road uh, from October 29th, 29th through uh, December the 10th. That's never a good thing, four out of five on the road, and those games are at the Chargers, at the Saints, 
home against Carolina, then at Detroit and at Minnesota. Uh, and then the last five games are likely cold weather games. Obviously, the people are used to that in Chicago, but they play at home against Detroit. Then they go to Cleveland. They play at home against Arizona. They play at home against Atlanta, and then they go to Green Bay. So that's just some of the pockets of the schedule there for the Bears. All right, coming up in the next segment, it'll be phone call time. If you want to jump aboard, you got to hustle up on that part, 602-260-1060. And also get to today's local roundup. That will include Aaron Decker's training camp report from the Cardinals. And we'll get in a little bit. Uh, their Cardinals had a couple of, uh, more than a couple, but uh, you know, two people that I'm going to center on from yesterday's press conferences. Our uh, new offensive coordinator, Drew Petzing, and also Colt McCoy, the starting quarterback for at least the start of the season. A little bit of the Diamondbacks trade from yesterday and also a little bit from the Diamondbacks from last night. Also stay tuned, final segment of the hour, last national roundup before the trade deadline, so we'll get in as much as we can uh, before the trade deadline at 3 p.m. Uh, today, Arizona time. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time to the KDUS hotline 602 260 1060. If you want to get in like right now, we'll get you in 602-260-1060. All right, the Cardinals training camp continues at State Farm Stadium. Monday was not the first day of pads as previously expected. Here's today's Aaron Decker training camp report from the Cardinals in Glendale. The second week of the Arizona Cardinals training camp began on Monday. After not practicing on Sunday, the team returned to the field at State Farm Stadium for a fairly low-intensity practice during 7-on-7 drills and 11-versus-11s. The players played a slower tempo compared to their last practice. Plenty of touchdown passes were caught during the red zone session of practice due to the defenders not playing extremely tough coverage. Practices are expected to ramp up considerably, though, as the team will put on the pads for the first time on Tuesday. The leisurely practices allowing players like Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins to learn the new defensive scheme, which has them at new positions this season. Collins is transitioning from an inside linebacker to an outside linebacker this season. Collins has been opposite Dennis Gardeck as the two players on the edge during the first team reps, but throughout the last few practices, Collins has shown a versatility to his play style. Collins has dropped back in coverage considerably as well as moving around the defense. At times, he lined up on the defensive line and even was back in an inside linebacker position. On the flip side, Isaiah Simmons has been consistently lining up as a free safety alongside Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson. Both Collins and Simmons haven't had a real chance to show their potential yet during camp due to the low intensity, but that could change in the coming days. On the defensive line, Rashard Lawrence, Lecky Fotu, and Jonathan Ledbetter have been participating in first-team reps. As for defensive backs, Christian Matthews, Keytrell Clark, and Marco Wilson have been getting first-team reps as well. Additionally, second-year outside linebacker Cameron Thomas has been getting a fair share of reps with the first and second teams. Thomas did say after practice that he is feeling more confident this season compared to last season where he was just trying to fit in. The Cardinals did seem to avoid injuries on Monday, but I'll be sure to give any updates on tomorrow's training camp notebook. I'm Aaron Decker from the Arizona Cardinals training camp. All right. Thanks, Aaron. And uh, Drew Petzing and also Colt McCoy amongst the uh, folks that talked to the uh, Cardinals media yesterday. 
I'm going to save those comments until tomorrow when I have a little more time. Also, I want to get to Matt in Phoenix. Hi, Matt. What's going on? Bob, how are you? I just wanted to uh, get your take, and I apologize. I've not been able to listen. So if you have to give me the gallery for that, um, I'm here for it. Um, uh, on the seawall deal, um, first of all, I don't value relievers, at least one in a bullpen that has many holes. Um, and secondly, my concern with trading for a closer is the Dimebacks' ability to get the ball to the closer with how poor their starting pitching is. Um, and that's why I'm not a huge fan of this deal. I wanted your thoughts. Hey, I'm not crazy about either. I'm really upset, uh, not upset, but I don't understand. Dominic Canzone looked like he could play. I'm yes. guessing that the Mariners didn't make this deal uh, maybe that they offered Jake McCarthy, who I'd much prefer the Diamondbacks trade than Canzone, and maybe uh, you know, Depoto said no, we need Canzone. Uh, I don't care about Josh Rojas. I mean, he's a nice kid. I know he's a local kid and so forth, but he should not be uh, playing every day in the major leagues, which for the most part he hasn't been this year. And this Ryan Bliss guy was pretty much nothing until this year when he got hot. And he's like a 5-6 yeah. shortstop or something. So, yeah, whatever. Uh, so there's that. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm actually – they just can't score runs. And they really yeah, – their, their offense has been atrocious for the most part since, since July the 1st. Yeah. Uh, when the other – I wish I had – I don't have the runs per game for the month of July, but – Especially if you throw out the one game in Atlanta, it is pretty nil. I, I totally agree. Lastly, would you trade Verlander for the Mets, and do you think he gets moved, and if so, where? And I'll hang up and listen. I appreciate your time, as always, Bob. Okay. Uh, the Verlander thing, it's kind of all over the board this morning in the last 24 hours. Uh, I would definitely trade him from the Mets. If you're going to go this far, you might as well continue. At the, they're not going to be – if they have Verlander next year – they're not going to be you – know, how good are they going to be? Uh, so get what you can for him now. It appears there are several teams in here, including the Dodgers. Uh, I'm just uh, you know, scrolling down here to check my notes because this changed like every 20 minutes this morning. Um, you know, the Astros are being mentioned, obviously, going back, and he's, he's very frown, uh, fond and gets along with the owner, uh, even though he left there via free agency to go to the Mets. I heard the Orioles mentioned this morning on MLB Network, and also the Braves are mentioned as a possibility. I wonder if the Braves were just being mentioned uh, to get their name in there, and maybe uh, you know that might have been like that might be. I'm not saying it is, but that just kind of I wonder whether that's just a leak from New York uh, to try to get uh, some better offers from other teams. And he obviously has to agree to a trade because he has a no trade clause. Okay, a little bit from the Diamondbacks from last night. I don't think we really learned anything last night, quite frankly. They won 4-3 in 11 innings in San Francisco. Cattell Marte delivered the eventual game-winning hit, and Scott McGuff got the uh, save. The previous inning, Kevin Ginkle blew a save opportunity, allowed a run in two walks and a wild pitch. Uh, the Diamondbacks threw nine innings last night, had uh, two runs on three hits. Uh, Personnel-wise, the Giants, by the way, Mike Yastrzemski goes on the injured list with a hamstring injury. The Giants did acquire former Diamondback A.J. Pollock, who was uh, with the Mariners. He was on the Mariners' injured list. He's been awful this season. When healthy, he's hit 173. Pollock has in 127 at-bats. 
Uh, so if they maybe they can get something out of him, they got to get him healthy first. Like I said, he's been on the injured list. Tonight, game two of the four-game series at San Francisco. Zach Gallon, 11 and five with a 3.36 earned run average against Alex Cobb, who's six and three with a 2.97 earned run average. Gallon's second in the National League of wins with 11. Uh, he is also sixth with 143 strikeouts. Uh, and eighth with a 3.36, that 3.36 earned run average that I mentioned. Uh, in his last six starts against the Giants, the team is three and three. Uh, Gallon is two and one with a 3.05 earned run average with 13 earned runs and 30, uh, 38 in the third innings. Opponents, the Giants hitting only 199 in those six starts off of Gallon. The whip is 0.94. That's very good. He has nine walks and 41 strikeouts in those 38 to third innings in his last six starts against the Giants. Sorry, as far as the standings go, the Dodgers didn't play last night or yesterday or at any point yesterday. They did not play. They have 45 losses, the Giants sitting at 49, the Diamondbacks at 50 as far as the wild card race. The uh, yeah, the top the division leaders right now are Atlanta, Cincinnati, and Los Angeles. The teams right now in the wild card, the Giants and the Phillies both at 49 losses. And then the Diamondbacks and the Marlins are tied for 50 losses. Actually, the Marlins, Brewers, and and uh, Diamondbacks, they all have 50 losses. I have no idea who how a three-way tiebreaker would work out for the last playoff spot, but that's where they stand right now. All right, that's it for this segment. Coming up next, it will be the National Roundup as we uh, give you one final sweep of what we've heard before the trade deadline, which is 3 o'clock today, Arizona time. Seems to me this has been 1 o'clock over the years, but it's 3 o'clock today. I just double-checked that in the last oh, couple hours here. I heard that yesterday for the first time. Well, maybe I heard it before and just forgot it, but whatever. Uh, we'll get to as much as we can in that next segment as we wrap up. The one-hour uh, Sports Zone today. We'll be back for three full hours of uh, local morning programming tomorrow. Plenty of post-trade deadline analysis, I'm sure. That'll be the Sports Zone in this hour tomorrow. And then, of course, it's the return of the Extra Point, hosted by Kayla from 10 to noon. Right here on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD2, we tried to say, 100.7. Welcome back. Final segment of today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD2 100.7. My apologies to ZZ Top here, but I got to get going as far as uh, this segment goes. So special thanks to the, uh, we thank everybody. Uh, special thanks to the callers, listeners, callers, you know, emailers, tweeters, whomever, whatever. I'll sip the cracks. Also our guest today, a Bears preview with Patrick Finley of the Chicago Sun-Times. He has them winning eight games, uh, the win total in uh, most locations, seven and a half. Also, we'll continue our week-long previews of the NFC North on Wednesday at 10-15 with the Packers, 9-15 on Thursday with the Lions, 9-15 on Friday with the Minnesota Vikings. All right, sound of the day courtesy of Cairo in Seattle. That's the Mariners flagship, ESPN, Fox, MLB, and also SN590, the uh, Blue Jays flagship with the uh, Bo Bichette injury from last night. Special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. 
All right, final time around before the trade deadline. Heard through the uh, grapevine and uh, just some baseball stuff. First, there were a couple of trades yesterday. The Rays needed a starting pitcher, at least one. They had him Aaron. They had Aaron Savali, who I think should be a good fit in his new home ballpark in Tampa. A pitcher's ballpark plays in front of a good defense, which, quite frankly, has not been that good a defense in July. So we'll see if that returns. Also, the Indians currently look like sellers after they traded Adam Rosario, Ahmed Rosario, excuse me, and also Savali within the last week. The Brewers, they added uh, Carlos Santana last week. Yesterday they got another. Uh, they were more savvy again. I think the Brewers have done some nice things here. Mark Canna uh, added Monday from the Mets to play some outfield. Uh, the Cubs foolishly are buyers on Monday. They added third baseman Jamer Candelario, uh, who would be a good addition for the Diamondbacks. It would have been a good addition to the Diamondbacks, so I think that would be a third base problem right now. Meanwhile, heard through the MLB uh, trade grapevine, Justin Verlander have traded. Apparently will accept a trade to, to the Dodgers or Astros, uh, but the Orioles mentioned this morning on MLB Network and also the Braves uh, might be a possibility. Another seemingly crazy rumor on uh, MLB Sirius Radio this morning is the Twins may be trading pitchers, Sonny Gray and or Kenton Maeda. They got plenty of pitching. They need some hitting, but do you trade your best pitcher? I can understand the Maeda part, but Gray? Really? Uh, the Padres are expected to keep free agent Josh Hader because the asking price is too high. The Mariners are uh, reportedly taking offers for first baseman Ty France and outfielder T. Oscar Hernandez. The Yankees apparently selling and taking offers for Harrison Bader and the struggling starting pitcher Luis Severino. All right, last night the Jays are now 1-13 this season against the Orioles and the Red Sox. That's not good in a lot of ways. Now they play all seven games this week against the Orioles and Red Sox. Uh, last night, Austin Habes made a leaping catch in the ninth inning in the, and uh, Whit uh, Merrifield's line drive. And the Orioles remained unbeaten in Toronto this season. They beat the Jays 4-2. Bo Bichette uh, left with a right knee injury, uh, sustained running from first to second base. Also, Gunnar Henderson homers again for Baltimore. Uh, they slept the first game, a uh, three-game series at Toronto back in May, so they're now undefeated in Toronto this season. All right, in a key wild-card matchup last night, the Phillies beat the Marlins. Former Diamondback Taiwan Walker, six innings. He became the first pitcher in the major leagues this season, Taiwan Walker, with 12 wins. If you had that in some kind of prop bet, you're, you're a rich man. Uh, the Phillies beat the Marlins 4-2. to two. Opener of their three, uh, four game series, excuse me, four game series in Miami. Walker now 12 and four. He allowed two runs, six hits, struck out four, and he won his eighth consecutive decision. Alex Bohm double singled and had two walks for the Phillies, who moved a half game ahead of the Marlins for the third NL wildcard spot. Meanwhile, the Cubs back at 500, and they're doing the wrong thing today if they're not sellers. Uh, Joey Avado, Christian Arcarnacio Strand, and also Will Benson. Each two hits last night for the Reds, who beat the Cubs. The Reds did everything humanly possible to lose this game to the Cubs, but the Cubs aren't good enough to win a game when somebody hands it to you, which the Reds tried to do with some horrendous uh, defense and shockingly more bad managing from David Bell. But the Reds hung on to win 6-5 to last night. 
in Wrigley Field. The Reds now four and three on their twelve game, ten game on a ten game road trip. They're four and three at this point. They have a one and a half game lead now in the division over Milwaukee. Meanwhile, the Rays uh, beat the fading Yankees. Tyler Glass now seven splendid innings. Uh, the uh, Tampa Bay Rays hit four home runs off of emergency Yankees starter Johnny Brito. And uh, the, uh, the Rays win that game 5-1 to one against the Yankees at Yankee Stadium yesterday. Meanwhile, uh, also is uh, Brandon Lau had a two-run uh, home run in the first inning. Franco solo shot in the third. And uh, Isaac Paredes and also Josh Lowe went back-to-back in the fourth inning. A couple other quick notes here uh, from the NFL. The Broncos, a really bad day on Monday. Wide receiver Tim Patrick, he's out for the season. He had a torn Achilles. Also, uh, uh, K.J. Hamler placed on the non-football illness list with a, quote, mild heart condition. Okay. Uh, Also, fantasy owners might want to pay attention to this. Alvin Kamara wants to meet with Roger Goodell to determine whether Kamara will be suspended for any games this season. He had a rest a couple of years ago, which was not settled since uh, you know, during last season. So he's still up for suspension, it appears. All right, that's it for the Sports Zone for today. Happy trade deadline day, everybody. We'll have a full three hours of uh, analysis, among other things. The trade deadline, plenty of NFL, I'm sure, tomorrow. And a Packers preview. That will start with the Sports Zone from 9 to 10 o'clock. And then it'll be the extra point hosted by Kayla from 10 to noon. That's tomorrow. This has been the Sports Zone for today. Thanks for listening and have a great rest of your trade deadline Tuesday.